Welcome to Followership with Ryan Leak, a podcast designed to equip followers with the tools they need to succeed in the workplace. I don't know what kind of leader you have, but I do know that the type of leader you have does not have to determine the type of team member or the type of follower you can become. I know there's a great deal of resources that are spent on leadership every single year. I decided I wanted to create a resource for followership and for followers and people that are following those leaders because I think each and every one of us has to own our stuff, own our presence in the workplace and show up as best as we possibly can. And so this particular season of followership with Ryan Lee, a great team member of mine, Lacey, has been uh, interviewing me on every single chapter. And so I want you to check out this conversation that we had around chapter five. Ryan, I love uh, this concept of this chapter. Who wants to be a millionaire? I think mm. the word million is like you you so elegantly put it. it. It often is the target that we strive for. And I'm not even sure it's the right metric or at times it's the, you know, it's, it's the right number to be striving for. Um, right. Talk to me about the concept of, of how you came up with who wants to be a millionaire. What did that metric mean to you? I guess the first time you held it out as a goal. Yeah. You know, I, I, I in my early thirties was the first time I really started meeting actual millionaires. <laughs> and <laughs> I started asking myself, okay, the idea of being a millionaire is talked about everywhere, but you know, you, you really start, you really start to just like, look at their life, look at how they talk, how they think, what they read, uh, who they hang out with, what they spend their time doing. You start seeing them and you start asking yourself, do I actually want that? And right. You know, I I was I had met this one millionaire who was they operated on like three or four hours of sleep, and I would just be like, "Whew, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to actually be a millionaire. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. Or is there another way to do it? And and so he started to just see in the fabric of really everything we do millions sort of this gold standard for every industry a million downloads a million views a million customers uh, a million sales uh a million stocks like it's it was everywhere and it's like everyone's striving for it, but not many people are asking the questions about what it takes to actually be on that level and, and so one of my mentors, he said, Hey, you should be, you should be asking anybody that you admire, what does it cost to be you? And let's say you don't know the person, you still should be asking the question of, Hey, what, what does it cost to be them? Whether that's a Steph Curry or a Tony Robbins or a James Clear. And you just, you look at people who are, incredible at what they do you really should be asking well what, what how did they become who they are because none of those people became who they are overnight yeah or i've heard you say it a different way right nobody came nobody came into success 
uh, just through glory. There was always some amount of pain. Always. Always. And I've, I've just been embracing that lately. Like I've just, been, I, people think I failed like a long time ago. I'm like, I fail every week at something. Yeah. Like I just blow it. And I've just been telling people, Hey, here, here are the, here are the people that thought about having me speak this month and then decided to choose someone else. And that didn't feel good. It's like, man, you, you know, you're a successful speaker or a successful author. It's like, yeah, but in the process of all of that is a ton of rejection. So, you know, you, you, you really do have to have the mental toughness to, to move forward and, and continue, continue doing your thing. Yeah. And even, I mean, just thinking about how much you travel now compared to when you were first starting off, I think too, mm-hmm. we, we often forget a lot of the pain has to come before the glory, right? We want the glory and then almost to to delay the pain, but you other professional athletes, like anybody that's been through it, those first couple of years, they're the ones with the most sacrifice, right? That's when you saw your family the the least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and through a pandemic, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be able to do some things virtually, but but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's not easy being away from the family. And even if you were to ask me, what does it cost to be me? You also would have to ask my wife mm-hmm. and my kids, you know, what does, what does it cost them for me to be me? And that's something I'm thinking about all the time. How much of your success, um, I guess, comes down to this recipe of how much time's required, how much discipline's required? Um, You know, you've got a couple other levers that I love, financial investment, you know, what do you need to learn, what do you need to know? But as you think about time management and discipline, can you talk a little bit about either as it relates to your life or other executives or leaders or athletes that you've seen? Those two, I think, jump out at people the most, but talk to me a little bit about kind of the components of time and discipline and how you think about that um, regarding how to be a millionaire. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I think when you, when you look at people who've had million type of success in any industry, um, they're extremely particular about their schedule. There's not many idle hours in their day that aren't either planned or uh, that they have not been very intentional about. There's just not much free time with people on that level. And so I think every person has to look at their calendar. And as, as weird as this sounds, when someone shares their goals with me, when someone tells me what they want to pull off, typically, even with, with my clients, my executive coaching clients, we always have a calendar meeting <laughs> and a calendar discussion because your calendar will set you up for success or it will set you up for failure. What do you spend your time doing? And part of what I love doing and coming alongside executives is 
helping them be more efficient with their time. A lot of us live with the idea, well, if only I had more time. No, only if only we were better stewards of the time that, that we have. Uh, one of the time exercises that I, I love to just tell anyone to do is to understand the value of your time. And so let's take your salary or whatever you were able to bring in uh, in the year 2020 or at the end of 2021 and divide it by, you know, if it's, you know, let's say you, you work an average of, I don't know, 50 hours a week. You know, it's like what twenty six hundred hours, mm-hmm. and then you just divide it. We we know what what an hour of your time is worth. Okay, so so if if you do, let's see, a million divided by the twenty six hundred, an hour of their time is worth three hundred and eighty four dollars. And let's say you watched a full season of The Office, which is a great show, by the way. Um, That person would have given The Office, which is about 73 hours, that would have given them $27,692.30. Is what you gave away. Yeah. Yeah. To someone else. To a thing. Yeah, not even to someone else. To a thing. To a thing. And again, I watch shows, but but when I do, I realize the value. The value of, like, I I know what an hour of my time is worth. And so I I think the thing that I would encourage anyone to do is to understand the value of their time. And, and this leads into everything. When, when it comes to time management, it helps us be um, one more efficient with our time. It also helps us be more efficient with other people's time. This runs into yeah. how we operate in and run meetings. And in every single industry I have ever worked in or worked with, from real estate to finance to manufacturing to the food industry or professional sports, every single one of them, what they have in common (laughs) is meetings that people feel don't add value to their job or life. Yeah. Pointless meeting problem. (laughs) And so, and if if you have, I, I can't tell you how many executive meetings I've been in where the average income of the room is a quarter of a million dollars and above. Okay. Quarter of a million and above. And it could be nine people in that room that will just <laughs> waste five or six hours. And I'll just go, mm-hmm. you, you, do you realize the problems you could have solved with 45 hours of your time combined? 45 hours. You know how many leadership issues that exist in this organization? 
that could be solved if nine of you went to your offices. If 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 I if I if we made it an exercise, right? If I said, hey, or I want everyone to go away for an hour. Here's a problem. I want you to go figure out how to solve it and come back. I guarantee you, in 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 that in that one hour time, again, but I get a, a total of nine hours because of nine different people. I think we solved that problem. But for some reason, <laughs> we'd rather sit in the meeting and talk about God knows what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's ego, maybe, but I am a massive proponent of people understanding the value of their own time and also understanding the value of other people's time. I think that's very important. And so yeah. managing it, uh, treating it like it's your money, you budget it. And so, and I used to, I used to have these open-ended meetings and people would say, well, what time do you need to go? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm good for the rest of the day. And you know what they would do? They'd take the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're like, oh, I didn't yeah. think through that. Fill the so, space. Yeah. Yeah. So I started scheduling meetings after my meeting. Mm-hmm. So, hey, meetings at 10. Hey, do you have a hard stop at 11? I do. That's correct. I have a hard stop at 11. I do. Now, if the meeting's going great, I can push back my 11. But, yeah, and, and my 11 could be anything I want it to be. But I'm, I am very, very uh, particular with my time. And I've noticed that people who are in the million and above level, um, they just don't, they just don't waste, they just don't waste time. Some, yeah. some of them have minutes. Sometimes you're given three minutes with someone at that level and you, you better make the best use of that three minutes. Yeah. Cause yeah. they just don't have time. So, or I've seen people just almost mixed, mixed two camps, relationship building with efficiency and work product. Right. And mm. you ho and hum the first 20 minutes of a meeting doing what you you, you feel and what you've been taught is relationship building, but it's actually just very quick, small talk. What'd you do this weekend? Oh, how's your family? Right. And in the same vein of budgeting your time, I know you talk a lot about relationships, who to know and how to add value. And I think we're better off in that sense. I would much rather go and have an intentional be present lunch with a coworker and really get to know them and really talk about their family versus some of the, you know, pleasantries that go on that are just surface oh, yeah. level to your point, which, which can distract, I think from some of the productivity or, or just not create that cohesion and that collaboration, which is why you're coming together anyway. It's, it's like a facade of relationship. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think we make time for the things we value the most. And I think for people that are listening to, to this podcast that may not be all that in control of their own schedule, especially if they have a boss and and, you know, they don't really get to always control uh, when the yeah. meeting is and the uh, the agenda set for the meeting. Uh, but I think one of the things that um, I actually I want to say I heard you <laughs> uh, you talk about one time in terms of just meetings is, is really uh, setting some parameters around meetings and uh, giving people an opportunity to, uh, I think what the name is, I think it's the, 
the the chief candidate officer of a meeting, which mm-hmm. is that person's responsibility to keep everyone honest. Yeah. Um, I, I love that idea for, for a follower that, that may not have that much influence. I think there is a respectful way of asking questions to keep the room on task yeah, and to avoid rabbit trails where we just, just talk about anything. The greatest meeting I've ever been in was at AT&T. Uh, I was getting ready to do an event for them and we had a, just like a pre-event meeting, just a regular, regular pre-event meeting. And it was 15 minutes long. It was 15 minutes long and it was incredible. (laughs) I was blown away. It, It was, they just had an agenda. There was so much clarity Honestly, it happened so fast. I was like, I was like, did we even meet it? But but there was no, I left with no questions. I left going, that was very refreshing. I'm like, are all your meetings like this? (laughs) But I think there was utmost clarity and there was, there was uh, every person in the room felt the space to say, hey, um, Hey, let's make sure we're staying on task. We're going to be mindful of everyone's time. And and I I just, I just thought it was, was excellent. So I think there's a respectful way for followers to be able to just, um, not feel like they're responsible to keep the room on task, but I think asking questions, uh, that bring the group back to the design of the meeting, I I think is, is important. And obviously there's times for chit chat and and having fun and just building team chemistry, but yeah how many people would describe their meetings as that and on zoom and teams in the society we live in now, yeah, it's more difficult than ever before to, to do that. So I think it's important that people stay on task. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Everything that I've heard you talk about with meetings and even with your, your clients, it's really about making sure we're meeting for impact versus busyness. And I think that mm-hmm. that gets to the heart of, um, of really this chapter. It's like, how are you driving and adding value? Meetings yes. being one tool of those, right? Making sure we have the right participants. But um, let's talk about a couple of the others. One of my favorites is who do who do I need to know? Mm-hmm. I think you do this probably, I think you actually challenge people uh, more than anyone I've met, but um, just being good to be good, right? To add value mm-hmm. without some sort of alternative motive. But talk to me about where that principle came from and how you coach your clients today around who do I need to know? Yeah. Well, there's this, uh, this is, this is a, uh, it's a a really great question because there is a a balance that I think we have, um, in our American workforce and networking events, of what's in it for me versus what's in it for you. And the give and take nature of of relationships, I found that the best mantra to live by is to err on the side of giving more than you receive. Give more than you receive. And so I think it's important that you just, you, you try to add as much value to other people, not in a sense of, oh, one day I'm going to cash in these chips. That's right. You just, 
you, if you're in a room, you're invited to a room, you're invited to a meeting, you're invited to an event, you think, okay, how can, how can I add value to, to this person? And most of us make decisions about who we want to work with typically by the relationship that we have with them, how, how they made us feel. And we don't always choose the person who's best at the job. We'll typically choose the person that we're the most comfortable with. And so let's just say you're trying to choose, um, between someone's going to install a pool at your house. Okay. Well, depending on, on that salesperson and how they treat you, how they talk to you, it's going to make you feel a certain kind of way, but no one's going, can you bring your concrete slab sample and we can just go back. It's like, no one's doing that. Mm -hmm. And you think about that uh, in the car industry. It's like, yeah, I really want this car. But sometimes the, the person selling you the car, you're like, I don't know that I want this car. Right. It's, what The car didn't change. The person changed. And so it's all, um, there's a park place. They have a bunch of dealerships in Texas. Um, there's a guy there named Don. Don texts me once a quarter. He wishes me a happy birthday every year. And he's always the first person of the day to wish me a happy birthday. I have not purchased a car from him in five years. In five years. That's crazy. But every, and so I'm always like, someone's like, man, I need a car. I'm like, you need to go see Don. Right, right, right. Don's, them, Don's, right? The integrity. Don is so, and when when Don sold me a car, he was so honest. He was so truthful. He said, "Hey, uh, here's the deal. This is how much money I'll make on this on this deal, and this is how much money the deal. Like, hey, I'm I'm obviously here to make money, and I obviously want to give you a deal." So, hey, how can, how can we meet in the middle? And I'm like, this is a guy I want to do business with. Mm-hmm. Full mm-hmm. transparency, turned his monitor around and showed it to him. And you're just like, this is a guy that like, you, 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 just, you just trust, you just, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah. Anytime I would take my car to get serviced, he just come over, make sure everything is is going around. I mean, it was it it's it wasn't the one and done. I got to say, okay, I'm moving on. Like, you know, uh, my book came out. Okay, my book came out. Hey, if it's not too much trouble, could you swing by and sign a couple for me? Oh, that's awesome. What? <laughs> Love Don. What is going we need, on? We need Don on a podcast. Like just I, a good human who adds value. Mm-hmm. We do, and and again, mm-hmm. it's a, it's it's a, it's now is is Don doing that to cash in the chips later? Maybe I just it still doesn't change the fact of the stories that I tell about Don. 
Like, right. But think about what his, his actions actually fuel and build this relationship, right? It actually becomes more authentic with time because as you pump referrals his way and you Mm -hmm. see him care about the people that you care about, right. And Mm -hmm. those people come to you of just, Ryan, thanks for sending me in the right direction. You start to really build an authentic like relationship and respect for each other. So I hear you. Absolutely. It's It's, and, and there's, I think it's important that you 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 try to treat everyone like there's someone. You try to treat everybody like there's somebody. And you just try to add value. You just try to add value to their life. Uh, there are famous people that would reach out to me for something. And they are people who are strangers on Instagram that reach out to me. I have a, I have a community text where I send out weekly encouragement to people via text. You can subscribe to that via Instagram. It's all my social stuff. You can find if you want to be encouraged every single week. And people will text me stuff, questions, And honestly, I'll, when I can, I'll respond. Yeah, there's a couple of times where I've called you and I'm like, right, what are you doing? And you're in <laughs> pickup line with your kids and you're just messaging people. And the things yeah. people disclose to you and the advice that you have for them, that community app, it is crazy. I'm, I was shocked. Yes. I thought it was just something, you know, that you had signed up for because you're so spontaneous. But I mean, it really does connect you. And yeah, that, I mean, mm-hmm. it's so funny. People would be like, Hey, I know this is a robot, but I just want to say da 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 da. And I'm like, Hey, Tony, what's up, man? <laughs> it's not a robot. It's actually <laughs> my phone. You know, right. like, can you do my wedding? Yeah. I'm like, I can't. But congratulations, send me photos. You know, so <laughs> every every person's different, but I think it's I think it's important that you you're constantly thinking of what's What's in this for them? If you're that type of person, I just think things will go well for you in general. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. I totally believe if you're if you're an others-focused type of person that says, hey, I, I'm, I'm looking for ways to add value to other people, no matter what room I'm in. Um, I could be in a room with people that can promote me. Or I could be in a room with someone that can do nothing for me. Mm, that's good. I'm 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 going to try and I'm trying to value to people in in one in one way or or another. So I think that, that that's important when it comes to networking. I think especially when you're at a, in a living in a deficit, especially when you're needing a job or you're needing a promotion, it's so easy to focus on just you and what you need. But yeah. I, I think it's very important that you take your eyes off yourself for just a moment and just look for ways to add value to other people. And, he, and here's what I know. The executives I work with are looking for leaders who act like that. That's right. That's <laughs> they're, right. Looking, they're looking to promote people who are adding value to everybody else. 
Yeah. And so making it about you actually isn't helping you. (laughs) But making it about others is, in my estimation, the way to really get ahead. It's because you're you're adding value to other people. And I've learned that the people that add value to other people talk about those people in meetings. Yeah. So one of my clients, I was like, I, I, am I doing a good job? I can't read. Like, do you still want me on retainer? What, what's, how am I measured? Executive coaching can be a little elusive. And it's like, what, what's the bottom line? And they just say, hey, uh, every single one of our executives brings you up in a meeting in some way, shape, or form. So I don't know what you're saying in these meetings exactly, but (laughs) I just, I keep hearing about you in positive ways. So I don't get why we would do anything else. I'm like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Like, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so I, I think if you're, if you're just consistently adding value to people, whether it's a work relationship or a neighbor, I think you, you just, you just continue to do it. You just continue to do the right thing for the right reason. And, um, and, and, and maybe those chips get cashed in and some sort of benefit for you down the road, but that's not why you do it. I think we should teach our kids. I think we should, you know, encourage one another to just, continue to add value to other people. Yeah. You're really almost talking about the difference between building a reputation versus Mm -hmm. like being known for, for one tactic. It's, you know, I'm sure we can come up with a thousand analogies, right? It's the difference of being known for, for one hit, being a one hit wonder, right. Versus having the greatest classics under your name, right. Or, you know, you follow way more than I do, but I think that's what we're really talking about with followers, right? Is how can you consistently mm-hmm. build a reputation versus turning in your homework and getting an A one time wow. and then expecting a promotion from it? Wow. You know what, what, you know what light bulb moment for me um, in what you just said is this idea of brand versus reputation. Because mm. <laughs> brand mm. is so much about how am I presenting myself to you? how do I make myself look? Whereas reputation is the impact you've actually had on other people. And I think we definitely work in society right now that is very brand conscious, but I, I don't know how much people are really thinking about their own personal reputation that you actually can do a lot about. And I think that that's very important for for a follower to think through. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Followership with Ryan Leak. I wanted you to know that I got a new number just to connect with you. And this is a number that I use to be able to answer people's questions. And I send out weekly encouragements. Every single week, I send some sort of thought, something that I've been chewing on that really uh, can help someone get through their week. If you'd like to subscribe to that, you can text 469 809 one two zero one 
Again, that's 469-809-1201. You can text, hey, you can text subscribe, you can text followership, and you will get an automated message from the service. But trust me, it is coming to my phone. And if you ask me a question, I most likely will answer to prove to you that it is me and that it is coming to my cell phone. Now, if today's episode added value to your life, I would encourage you to rate it by stars as preferred. I would also encourage you to perhaps leave a comment. Um, I would also encourage you to buy Chasing Failure on Amazon or wherever you purchase books. You can even get it on Audible. It's me reading the book. There's even some extra bonus material with Audible as well. And of course, if this added value to your life, I would encourage you to share it with a friend. Until next time, we'll see you.